What's going on, everybody, and welcome back for another episode of Trigger. This is Trigger. It's number 416 here on Tuesday, November 15th. Joined here with special co-host, oh. Spencer Marone. Co-host. AKA that Spencer might be Brown. the first time you've ever given me that title. Yeah, well, you're here. Matt is sick. Sick as a dog. He's abandoned us again. Could be because he ran outside like a psycho on Sunday when it was 30 degrees and Over windy. the Bay Bridge. Yeah, well, you know. Choices. Um, I'd have jumped halfway across. It's like the meme that I sent you last week. Oh, no, it's the consequences. Of his own actions. Yes. Yeah. Unlubed. Oh, and here we are. No. Because we just took a good raping today <laughs> by the GOP establishment. Uh, they struck back. It's like the Star Wars trilogy, The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, even though they didn't win last week. No. Um, because now, even one week after the midterms, where we don't have our House majority, as we were promised by the great Kevin McCarthy. We're going to have more to say about him soon. Uh, <laughs> the great Kevin McCarthy, one week ago tonight, promised us that we'd wake up in the morning last Wednesday and have a House majority. Well, here we are a week later, <laughs> and maybe in the few hours after we record this episode, yeah. they will call the final House seat, giving us the bare majority of 218, which, thank God we got that, I guess. Barely. Barely. We yeah. got it mostly because of Ron DeSantis in Florida and Lee, Lee Zeldin up in New York. Yep. I mean, that's where New York alone, he and his coattails flipped enough seats to take the majority. Oh, New York is the majority, yeah. Yep. Without Lee Zeldin, we would not be in the majority right now. So that's what really ticks me off. And right before we came on to record this, uh, the House GOP is holding their air quote leadership elections was there a sound that came out no i was saving oh. you from a sound right. you weren't supposed to stop and then yeah, well, i was just trying to keep off. the flow going i'm just making sure i'm sane here because i've been on the edge the past <laughs> few days especially with this <laughs> eagles loss last night all right anyway back back to the subject that hey dear we can just cut that I think you can keep it in. It's a little bit of levity to this. Oh, good. Uh, Levity. I don't even remember what I was talking about. Oh, Tom Emmer. Yeah. Tom Emmer. And you wrote a lot about this. You know about this. Yep. Because he's from Minnesota. Yep, that is So why don't you tell us all the reasons that Tom Emmer sucks? (laughs) Yeah, so he's he's been in Congress from Minnesota's 6th District, which is my home district, coincidentally. Central Minnesota, not really including any of the metro area around Minneapolis and St. Paul, but... Cities like St. Cloud and Anoka and places like that. And uh, he's been in that seat. Michelle Bachman held it for a number of years. Uh, and then Emmer ran when uh, Bachman announced she was retiring and got the seat. Uh, and he has proceeded to lead not exactly as you would expect a conservative to lead. And uh, definitely not the way you would want the person who's going to be the whip for the Republicans with their very narrow majority Uh, headed into the new year and the new Congress. And that's because not only his rhetoric on issues that are very important and priority issues for conservative Republicans, but also just his resume, places he's worked before, jobs that he's done, um, have not shown him to be some sort of, you know, happy conservative warrior who's going to be in the trenches in the House chamber working with what is a very small majority where you're going to really need to have people behind you and what you're trying to get done in order to have any success. And it's just going to be more of the mess that I think a lot of conservatives are fearing the next two years will be running into the 2024 presidential election. Yeah. And now we're assembling the Rhino Dream Team. 
of McCarthy probably as speaker unless there is a really unforeseen development or new challenge. Andy Biggs is not going to beat him. I'm not really an Andy Biggs guy anyway. I mean, I guess I'm an anyone but McCarthy guy at this point. But uh, then you have Tom Emmer as the whip. I don't know who's going to be majority leader, right? Is that uh, – Oh, jeez. I don't, I don't even know who's going for that. But it can't be anyone good. Well, and the problem is, again, you have all of the people who were in charge of – Oh, it's Scalise. Okay. Setting. That's okay. So we got one good one. One. But yeah. you, the problem is you had all these people who were in charge of and tasked with making sure that Republicans made a red wave happen that didn't do that, now being like, well, I deserve a promotion. And so whether yeah, it's Tom you... Emmer, who is the NRCC chair, who said we should all be extremely uh, pleased with the outcome, which yeah. I don't think I've talked to any Republicans who are extremely pleased uh, with the outcome. Obviously, like you said, it's a good thing we are hopefully going to actually have a majority, but it's a majority that we might not be able to do anything with. Like, look yeah. at how much trouble Nancy Pelosi has had trying to keep her party in line with the five-seat whatever majority she's had for the last uh, several months and what a mess that was. And that's even with the Senate being held by the same party and the president <laughs> being from their party. So Republicans, you know, we've here at Town Hall, I've covered a lot of the sort of Democrats in disarray stuff that we've seen over the last few years from Nancy Pelosi. And that's all just going to be Republicans now because you have these not super conservative in tune with where the base is people setting the direction for a lot of people who do represent Americans like us who are going to say, no, we should be talking about social issues. We should be talking about uh, women's sports. We should be talking about abortion. We should be talking about all these things. And you've got Tom Emmer just yesterday saying that divisive social issues shouldn't even go to the floor of the house. Yep. And it's like, no, we need – if you're not even recognizing that they should be allowed on the floor, how are you ever going to fight and win for conservatives who are sick of seeing women's athletics overrun by biological males who claim to be transgender women? How, how are you going to lead on stuff like that? And, like, what – you know, just labeling divisive social issues, does that include education? Is this meaning that – Oh, for sure. Does that this for mean, sure includes CRT. You know, that, yep. like, we're not going to talk about CRT. We're not going to talk about nope. parental rights in the classroom. We're not going to talk about protecting students – uh, from teachers or administrators who want to implement this radical left-wing ideology. Is not going to talk that, about election integrity. Is all of that just banned from the floor now? Well, and of course he's not. he can't talk about election integrity. He was a paid spokesman for a Soros-backed group trying to abolish the Electoral College. This guy is like See Chuck Schumer. up that little segue yeah, right there? Yeah, No, f*** that guy. I, honestly, I am, I am like... You saw it before we, we came on here. I am pissed. Things were I am testy pissed. in the office. And this I mean, is, nobody's happy. This is a disgrace. This is a disgrace. And I guess we need to find jobs where we can fail up. Because <laughs> That'd be great, wouldn't it? In our world, if you don't produce or you don't have results, you either lose your job or you, at a bare minimum, don't get promoted. Right. You're just kind of stuck, yeah. stagnant. These, these ass <laughs> are trying to get promoted on the backs of one of the most massive electoral failures in recent history. Yeah. And, you know, being out of touch with the base is a great segue because I want to talk about Mitch McConnell, too. Mm. Because now Rick Scott's an asshole. 
and a, and an idiot and cost us this election too. So, but speaking of him, failing up, he spent August on a yacht in Italy, so it must be nice to be this out of yeah, touch. Yeah, when you're rich, you being know. out of touch. You know, we've been, <laughs> we had our team on the ground in battleground states and at the border and in John Fetterman's you know hometown, talking to people and understanding where the voters are at. And clearly, people like Rick Scott couldn't be bothered to do the same thing. Yep. Well, I, it, it, and he's the one challenging McConnell now, which is laughable. You know. I think I said earlier, like, I hate McConnell and want him challenged and removed as leader of the GOP in the Senate, but by anyone else besides Rick Scott. Right. I well, agree. And maybe not Cornyn either. True. But, Cornyn can't do it. Well, nobody okay. who was involved in the negotiations to give away, you know, Second Amendment freedoms and stuff like that yeah. and working on yeah. this immigration nonsense, those people have no place because they're so out of touch and they're just stuck oh, in their own power Oh, and they're about to try circles. to pass oh, yeah. a lame duck amnesty oh yeah the, the lame duck is good we're gonna have a lot more coverage on that starting uh later this week once we actually have the outcome of the election done mm-hmm. um but the stuff that they're trying to push through both the house and the senate in this lame duck here before the end of the year before everybody leaves town for christmas and new year and then the new congress starts they have this window of time where they have to get everything done that they wanted to that was passed through one chamber already uh so that way they don't if, if they don't pass it in the next few weeks then they have to completely start over in january mm-hmm. so there's a lot of stuff they're trying to push through there But I think, you know, looking at, again, who's out of touch and whatever, like, I've always been very mixed on my opinions on Mitch McConnell because he, unlike a lot of the other people, he actually has a segment of his resume that's very successful for us. Because when you look at, like, working with Trump, I mean, think of all the incoming Mitch McConnell took as the Senate majority leader while Trump was in office and all the stuff and whether it was holding uh, the vacancy on the Supreme Court open when Democrats were, you know, ready to insurrect at that point, basically, to hold a vote on somebody to, uh, for Obama to name a replacement on the court. Then, obviously, getting us three Supreme Court justices, getting yep. us all those hundreds of other federal judiciary um, appointments confirmed. So you look at that, and it's like, okay, that is exactly what we needed. But then why does he also have to squish on other things? And to me, it's confusing, because it's like, well, he's, you know, in charge, and he has to reach across the aisle or whatever, but he doesn't always reach across the aisle. Like, he did not reach across the aisle when it came to filling the vacancy on the Supreme Court in the last months of the Obama administration. He didn't reach across the aisle when it came to, you know, standing by Brett Kavanaugh when everything was going on. He's proven that he can have a spine when it's like, this is something that he wants to do. He absolutely gets it done. But why isn't it on every issue that we want him to get stuff done on, you know? Yeah, you know, and I get that being a leader, sometimes you have to make unpopular decisions and do certain things. I understand that. Um, And I totally agree with you that he has a significant part of his record, which is filled with achievements uh, on behalf of the Republican Party and conservatives in general. Now, where he starts to become a problem for me is a few things. Uh, His opposition to Biden has been mm. rated weak as best. Uh, and I think that goes back to them both just being old as dirt and having served in the Senate together for so long. Yeah. And there's like that weird, very much old, old ye oldie time style yeah. of like professional courtesy that just doesn't And that's a huge part resonate of my other with the base anymore. Right, and that's a huge part of my other problem is that he's too old, you know? He is, I'm not saying we need to jump to like super youngins like our age to lead the party oh, but like God, no. oh like a little bit younger would be nice you know maybe 50s 60s not 80s yeah would be cool and it's the same thing you know i don't know if you listen to any of it at all but 
we this is the same thing me and Matt talked about with Trump versus DeSantis. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, we need some new blood in this party. We yep. need younger leaders to take up the mantle and not have the entire leadership of this country. If you look at it across the board, mm-hmm. everyone's over seventy. Yeah, right. Which is why I think people like Ron DeSantis and Lee Zeldin and Jim Banks and these, you know, people who are younger, much younger by comparison to Joe Biden and Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. Like those are, I, I think there's probably a lot to be said for their appeal just because they're not. The people have been doing this forever. Right. Like politics, it's so, I feel like a, I don't even know, like an old conservative radio host at some point when I'm like, the, when the founders created this country, politics was not your career. Well, yeah. You and- had a day job, you were active in your community, that's how you were able to represent people and how, especially in the House, with the two year term and whatever, was the whole point was you would go to DC vote on what needed to be done based on your experience as a leader in your community and what your neighbors wanted you to do. And then you'd go home and you'd keep working with them and you'd answer to them and you weren't insulated in DC, which the people in leadership, the, like the establishment are so isolated and so secluded away from everyone else that unless they go out of their way to meet the people that they represent, they have no idea what's actually going on in their districts or in their States. And politics has just gotten even more insulated as time has gone on to the detriment of you know, you have all these people who are the freshmen who are going to head in and, you know, not as many Republicans as we would have wanted, but you have these freshmen who go in and they're so excited because they have finally made it and they have this opportunity to represent their constituents. They've been on the campaign trail for, you know, the last year or so, and they know exactly what their constituents wanted. And that's why you see this sort of passionate conviction-based governance from them compared to the, oh, well, I just need to retain my power because I've been here so long. I don't know what I'd ever do if I didn't have this job. And the ironic part is they could all go to K Street and be lobbyists to make a ton of money. Yeah. But they love the power. They're powerful. Yeah. And, you know, just like Zelensky is a money-hungry which we're going to talk about a little bit later. You know, I was hopeful that when a GOP Congress was coming in, mm. we would turn off the money. Yep. That's not going to happen now because there's a significant number of so-called Republicans that will vote for that money and just vote for unlimited spending, you know, which yeah. is a larger part of the problem and these mm-hmm. these continuing resolutions, spending trillions of dollars that we don't have. But uh, on the McConnell thing, real quickly before we move on, uh, Mark Levin last night was talking about mm. this, and I love Mark Levin because he's my level of like anger. Yes. You know, he's always at a hundred. Oh, right. Yeah. He has the China virus, and even last night he was, like, screaming at the top of his lungs about Mitch McConnell. And I'm like, that is what we need in this party. And, you know, that that is really what a huge part of this comes down to is – and you've seen this. You know, you've been in this hellhole whole town long enough. Uh, too long. There's not enough fighters No. in this party. There's too many people that go along just to get along and get rich and make money. There's not enough people that are actually believers in the conservative mission, right. conservative values, having a conservative agenda, right? Yeah. Having an agenda. And that's an understated part of this election loss mm. is that there was no clear Republican agenda. We had McCarthy rolled out that commitment to America and sort of the final uh-huh. stretch. Uh, and every, you know, he was spinning it as though it was similar to what Newt Gingrich did with his contract with America. Obviously it wasn't (laughs) because it did not have the same effect at all. Um, and I mean, in a lot of coverage I pointed out, I mean, Republicans had every possible advantage going into Tuesday last week and they completely blew it. Mm -hmm. I mean, like you have president, first of all, it's the first midterm with an incumbent Democrat in the white house. Republicans just 
by nature of timing, have an advantage there. Then it also happens that the president in that office is one of the most unpopular in decades and has been chronically underwater. You've got inflation above 8%. You've got all this embarrassing stuff happening on the world stage where he's running around mucking stuff up. You've got you know the open border, all the crisis there, the crime crisis, the fentanyl crisis, all these things going on. And yet Tom Emmer, Kevin McCarthy, Mitch McConnell, and Rick Scott, and to an extent Donald Trump, I guess, with his candidates and his events, couldn't put together a coherent message that anybody would listen to and vote on. And it's like, how, yeah. how do you not do that? Obviously, for us, we're kind of on the sidelines, but like also we see and cover every single statement, announcement, speech, blah, 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 that they did, and they just never could find something that would land. You know what I keep thinking about, and I mean, you were on a couple episodes of Trigger during the oh, mid-August, late August, early September time frame. The good old days when we had hope. Well, at that point was when we were talking about, well, yeah, we did have hope in general, but when we were talking about, man, these campaign committees and the RNC and everyone's up. Yeah. Like, they are up. When the polls were showing this to be a dead heat, and then the polls completely changed, gave us yeah. the illusion of the red wave, which clearly Carrie was Lake, a failure. Carrie Lake, up by 11. Yeah, that was, talk about a disaster. Um, but Herschel Walker, almost at 50%. You know, all these polls... No matter where you were, Pennsylvania, Oz was up in six consecutive polls. Yeah, well, I think this election, I guess, totally put to bed the idea that polling can be accurate. I mean, there was a few that were accurate, um, but I think that was more of they just happened to hit the the dart on the, you know. Somehow. Yeah, exactly. It was just, you know, (laughs) it was a lottery. It was a scratch off like me and this morning (laughs) in the office. Furiously Um, scratching your Christmas trees. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Did yeah, you win anything at all? No. No, no nothing. Well, that fits. The last the, the last week has just been loss after loss. I mean, it's racking up at this point. <laughs> um but we I think I think we saw it coming. I think I mean, it felt very Romney-esque 2012. Yeah. Romney. It, it back to, you know, August September us, we saw this developing and we saw this coming and I, we got lulled into, I guess, a false sense of security. Yeah. Um, you know, we got a couple of... Uh, well, of, when the when Rick Scott, as the NRSC chair, was on a yacht in Italy just kicking back, Yeah. at the same time the NRSC was running out of money, and it was also the time where voters are actually tuning in because not everybody is as mentally ill as we are to sit there and follow this stuff for years before it <laughs> even happens. Yeah. When people are actually tuning in and deciding how they're going to vote in the midterms to have the NRSC on fumes it's chairman out of the country on a yacht it's like well that is not a recipe for success and clearly it wasn't because we did not retake the senate and if anything democrats might actually have picked up a seat in the end if uh, the runoff in georgia doesn't go our way so it's like well bang up job there ricky yeah well so you know there's a couple of uh emails from triggered listeners i got that i wanted to talk about because i think there were some interesting theories in there um you know, shout out to our friend uh, Jennifer. She emailed in. Maybe people are thinking, maybe even especially so on the Republican side, that the elite ruling class, no matter where where they are, what side of the aisle they're on, going to go to D.C. and then just become, you know, part of the uniparty, as we've talked about. So maybe voting doesn't even matter. And that, you know, it's it, – it, she also said it's disappointing about Trump – and his recent actions and 
Uh, it's disappointing when someone you looked up to and admired doesn't live up to expectations. Couldn't agree more on that one. Uh, it is, a, I think, a very sad uh, falling apart for him. I think everyone that I've talked to that have been previously uh, ride-or-die Trump supporters, and I'm one of them, mm-hmm. um, have been very upset with his recent actions. We'll see if that anger holds through the announcement that's coming tonight. Yeah. Well, um, anecdotally, I talked to both my mom and my dad separately in the last two or three days, and both of them are done, mm-hmm. Trump-wise, for now. Yeah. And But I think the key phrase is for now. Yep. Right? Um, I think, you know, I've already drawn my line in the sand. Now, that's not to say that I wouldn't support Trump if he's the nominee. Of course I would support him if he's the nominee. Right. Right? What are you going to um, do, vote for Biden? Yeah. No. And if I'd kill myself before I voted for Joe <laughs> Biden. Before I voted for any Democrat, I would sooner kill myself. Um, that's how dedicated I am. Maybe we need more people like that here in Washington, D.C. But, And we don't even know if DeSantis is actually going to run. No. I mean, I think that he will, obviously, given you know he needs to seize the moment. He can't pull a Chris Christie. I don't think he will pull a Chris Christie, just in general, not the same people. Um, but we've seen before where people have their moments. They pass, pass up on their moment, and then yep. it just never comes again. So I think he needs to capitalize on that. Shout out to our friend Lee in Maryland. Totally agree with you. They're going to run the same program on DeSantis that they're running against Trump. Um, 100% bound to happen. Lee also agrees, you know, he wanted wanted to support Trump 2024, but uh, DeSantis uh, seems like the best chance for, tw- for uh, our election in 2024. Um, I'm trying to find here. Oh, our friend Sinks. So, and this was an interesting theory. I've been trying to figure out, right, like, yeah, the campaign apparatus has failed us. There's a lot of blame to go around on many different things. But what happened, right? Like, what, why didn't the red wave materialize? Was it because Republican turnout was lower? Was it because Democrat turnout was high? Uh, was it? The abortion that even when it happened back in July, you know, we talked about, mm-hmm. will this totally f- us in the election? Yep. And I said that even before, back in like March, I think when they heard the case, I was like, you know, this is the one wild card that can completely change a red wave into a total disaster. And was it that? Um, well, was, was it all the talk of the red wave that, that, that lulled Republican voters into not voting? Yeah. Well, I mean, what do you, what are your thoughts on all that? Well, so the interesting thing about like did Republicans not turn out or did Democrats turn out more? If you look at at least at the House level, mm-hmm. the vote totals, Republicans there were more Republican votes for the House races than Democrats. So like on a popular vote, obviously that's not how we decide the House, but on a popular mm-hmm. vote level nationwide, Republicans by a slim but a few percentage points voted more than the Democrats did. It just didn't settle out that those more voters yeah. were in the areas where they were needed to flip seats or save seats. Mm-hmm. That kind of um, scares me even more that it was like R plus four or five. Yeah. And we only got this, not yet of a majority, but soon to hopefully be a slim majority. Hopefully soon. Soon. But yeah, yeah, so it's interesting because it's like the Republicans didn't stay home seemingly, or at least didn't stay home more than the Democrats did. Yeah. Uh, but the votes just weren't in the right places, which I think that, again, goes to just the sort of the establishment strategy 
that they put behind getting this red wave done because as we covered uh, in sort of the final month of the campaign and even the final days, uh, you had the NRCC, which again is run by Tom Emmer, doing three six-figure ad buys in Biden plus 20 districts. And so it's like, okay, so you may have gotten more Republicans to turn out in in that district than would have otherwise, but Mm -hmm. as a Biden plus 20 district, you're not going to flip that when, you know, Democrat turnout was also up over 2018. Yeah, not to mention uh, Mitch McConnell's uh, spending in Colorado. Mm-hmm. How many million did he spend there? I think it was like four or five million. So Could have easily millions. dumped that into Nevada and had a chance there because mm-hmm. it was a very close race. Um, you know, there's so many decisions that we can just totally all over here because it, it was a total disaster. I mean, from top to bottom, a total disaster, a calamity of decisions and I don't, I don't know. It, it, the, I think my, my main disappointment is that we took such a, a beating, you know, and, and there are those out there that try to portray this not as a beating. And I take serious issue with that saying, Oh, well, we still won the majority. So really we won. No, we didn't. Uh, winning would have been a significant 20 to 30 seat house majority and taking back the Senate. Instead, Biden will continue to get his judicial nominees at which he's appointing at a faster pace than President Trump was. Yep. Uh, He'll still get his crazy agency heads through. Uh, We'll have no uh, maneuverability in the House votes at all. And we all know the... uh, the Republicans love to stick together on things. Yeah. We're really good at that. Um, that that always works out really well for us. You know, m- maybe we'll get some good investigations from committees. Maybe. I mean, I think committee chairmen are really where a Republican majority, if we actually get it today or tomorrow or whenever the heck they finally decide. Theoretically. Um, but I do <laughs> think committee chairmen are going to be the brightest stars and are going to be the most help for Republicans heading into 2024. Because, again, in 2024... You're going to have what I don't know who to believe anymore, but is a more favorable for Republican Senate map in 2024 in those races when the, another third of the Senate is up. We also obviously are going to have a presidential race happening then, so turnout will be higher. But we need – if it ends up being Biden or anybody in the Biden administration who's ends up being the Democrat nominee, it's up to the chairman on these committees, specifically oversight – uh, to make sure that the American people know what the Biden administration has been up to, whether it's investigating Hunter Biden, whether it's investigating Alejandro Mayorkas and DHS and what they've been doing with the open border stuff, investigating uh, the Secretary of Energy, Jennifer Granholm, and all the stuff they've been doing with this energy transition into agenda, looking at Department of Transportation and what happened with the supply chain stuff with Secretary Buttigieg, um, looking at, uh, I would say, just in general, the foreign policy side of all of this, how uh, Biden has gotten us in so many messes and where all this Ukrainian money has gone. It's going to be the oversight and the investigations that actually provide anything from Congress as far as things Republicans can use in 24, because I really don't think we're going to have any legislative wins because the majority is so slim. Tom Emmer doesn't want to talk about any of the issues that actually matter to the base. And even if they pass something, the Senate isn't going to pass it and Joe Biden's not going to sign it. So it's just going to be a lot of a mess. And I think people like Tom Emmer uh, and Kevin McCarthy are going to be eager to look like they're playing along with Democrats. So that way they don't get blamed for stuff. But that's not what the base wants to see. They want to see people fighting back. Like they you talked fighters. about earlier. Yeah. They want people who are going to fight back and say, no, until you ad- 
commit to securing the border and shutting down this nonsense, we're not funding the rest of the government. Yeah. We want people who are going to say, uh, you know, if you don't protect students and parents in the kids' education, we're not going to fund any of the Department of Education. Stuff like that mm-hmm. needs to needs to be done. But I don't think we're going to do that. And so, again, I think the committee chairmen are going to be the only real bright spot as far as getting anything done or getting any results. Mm-hmm. And I also, this leadership slate that they've got going, at least with McCarthy and Emmer, are not the kind of people that are going to really be jumping to impeach anybody, I don't think. No, um, no, and, there's no impeachment happening, and I, that's I, for sure. Yeah. I, do, I do think impeaching Joe Biden, while fun, he is a useful idiot and is not the person actually doing most of the damage. I think you have to go after Mayorkas and Granholm yeah. and the cabinet secretaries and get rid of them because they're the ones who are implementing all this stuff. Joe Biden clearly doesn't know what they're actually doing because anytime he's asked about it, he doesn't have a coherent answer that suggests he knows what's going on. Also, could have COVID again. People are oh, saying geez. nobody knows. Yeah, I mean, we're listen, it's going to be a long couple months until the GOP hopefully takes over Congress. We don't know that for sure. Uh well, hopefully it takes over the House, not Congress as a whole, because the Senate will remain in Democrat control. Um, they're going to triple down on all their shit. We know that. As we've said, the current House count stands at 217 for Republicans. 17 races still to be called. The length of time it is taking these ballots to be counted is ridiculous. But remember, it's taking this long because they're doing it right and they're doing <laughs> it well. <laughs> yeah. They're I've really, been told that by every single mainstream news outlet and every Democrat. They're really great at counting. It also is very interesting how the longer the count goes on, you know, and this is not 100% of races, but the longer the count goes on, it always seems to sway in the Democrats' uh, direction it's pretty interesting it's funny how that works yeah um you know what i just thought of a great way to refer to tom emmer getting this gig and mccarthy maybe being speaker Mm -hmm. it's like a participation trophy that's what it is yeah they they got participated all right but they didn't win yep so just apparently the just if as long as you're somewhere nearby or in italy on a yacht you too can become you know third in line to the presidency if you're McCarthy and you end up being speaker or, uh, you know, the third most powerful person in the House of Representatives if you're... Uh, I don't even know if I'd want McCarthy to be president, which would mean getting rid of Biden and Kamala, but, like, <laughs> that would suck. Um, our good friend Kerry Lake out in Arizona oh. lost. Uh, there was definitely some shenanigans going on in Arizona. I mean, there's, you know, no one's ever going to prove it, and it, it, it this, this it's just got to stop. I mean... Yeah, we it, actually... The other day, I think I emailed you about this one, uh, but we actually had a good column by somebody who used to be on the legal staff for Maricopa County elections. Uh, it's up on our site, a column. Uh, but she was writing about how this is just going to keep happening and court challenges after election day is not going to change anything. You need to actually change the laws, change the processes, put more stringent requirements, require more transparency on things uh, if you're actually going to change how these things work. And unfortunately now with governor-elect Katie Hobbs, it's unlikely, uh, you know, to go anywhere. But it is one of those things where, like, look at... I've oh, used, and I've the, used an example. the guy who was elected Secretary of State is the former election supervisor for Maricopa County, which yes. we know yeah. goes well. Yeah, so that, I mean, that's a mess. Arizona's elections are going to be a mess for a while now. But, I mean, I've used this example so many times. But, like, you look at what happened in Florida after 2000. They were embarrassed... 
the entire country and the world was like, how do you not know who won? How do you not know how that person voted? Blah, blah, blah. How do you not know how many ballots there are left to be counted? Whatever. And they fixed it. And now we saw this year on election night, Ron DeSantis was doing his victory speech like three hours after the polls closed because he had won and it was yep. done and we knew the exact totals. And Arizona... They counted 7 million votes in like three hours. Yes. Arizona has not learned anything from no. 2020 and they're not doing anything to fix it. Pennsylvania did not learn anything after 2020 and they haven't done anything to fix it. This whole idea that it's normal for elections to take weeks. We're now at a full week at this point. Like, that's not normal, and it doesn't have to be that way. And I saw a tweet. I can't remember who it was by. But there's the fact that, like, it's 2022, and everything else in our lives and everything that we have to do has gotten easier, more transparent, and more secure, except for voting. And it's like, what, what gives there, you know? Like, every, everything else you do... Yeah, also a federal judge just blocked the use of Title 42 at the border. So the invasion just got 100 times worse. That's going to be great. We are chock full of great news and uplifting programming for you today. Yeah, sorry um, about that. I mean, it's just, you know, it's the facts of what's going on here. Uh, before we move on out of this, uh, the establishment can go f*** itself segment. Um, we don't want to let Ronna McDaniel skate. Oh, boy. Because she's, uh, you know, the McFailures, McConnell, McCarthy, McDaniel, Ronda McDaniel to run for re-election as RNC chair, even though she totally failed this election. Rumor is everybody over there is getting fired, and rightfully so, uh, after they are sent to Georgia <laughs> yeah. as slaves, uh, even though they're going to lose that runoff too. Yeah. Um, there's pretty much not a chance in hell we win that runoff. Doesn't um, look good. So, yeah, that's and, – and then she's going to run for re-election too – don't forget, she's a Romney. Yep. Um, and Who Trump wisely told her to drop that part from her name. Because she used to professionally yeah. use Ronald Romney McDaniel. And uh -huh. he was like, you got to cut yeah. that out. And she did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the only reason she even still hasn't been thrown to the wolves yet is because she is Trump's pick. Because he knows that he has her uh, uh, strung up like a puppet. <laughs> His arm is all the way up to the elbow of her ass. Well, it's it's a little bit symbiotic there because the RNC also is covering legal fees still for well, him. Well, for sure. So for financially sure. Yeah, for yeah. him, it's a smart. Yeah. No, to make I don't sure listen. I don't blame him. It's yeah. personal benefit. But like, you yeah. know, if she didn't have him, she'd be finished. Yeah. Um, that that race though, I think could it might end up going exactly the same way all these leadership races in the House did yep. today, as far as the the incumbent establishment person ends up winning. But there are. A number of people who are in talks with elected Republicans and donors and party activists and stuff, including Lee Zeldin, mm -hmm. uh, they're trying to see if he's interested in running for RNC chair. And I think he'd be great because, look, clearly his brand and his strategy worked because he got New Yorkers so fired up at the chance of unseating Kathy Hochul. And he came closer within single digits than any Republican has in decades of winning the governor's race in New York. Uh, and then at the same time, flipped more seats than were necessary to take the majority back. So if you can get what he did there, whatever that secret sauce is, and put that in national races across the country, that'd be tremendous. Uh, but I don't know if he wants to go through the mess that's going to be taking on the RNC chair uh, like that. But then another name that's also been floated now is uh, South Dakota's governor, Kristi Noem, who is also, I think, more conservative and definitely an outsider and has a different perspective on Republican politics than Rana does, obviously. Um, and I think she would be interesting because the idea there is she would continue to serve as governor, but would also be the RNC chair because it's not, you know, a full-time job. Rana claims to live in Michigan. And so mm, that's interesting. You, you don't actually have to be in D.C. in order to fulfill that role. And I, I think getting 
I think anything you can do to get Republican leadership out of the beltway would be fantastic because – yeah. Yeah, 100%. You look at what works and what doesn't work. If it's, oh, well, at the Capitol Hill Club today after work, we were talking about this idea and it sounded great. That's not going to sell in the middle of the country where I'm from. But if you have somebody like Christy Nome who can immediately be like, that's a terrible idea. Here's what people actually care about. Um, that yeah. would be very valuable. But that's going to be – we won't know anything about that until uh, January at the RNC's winter meeting. Yeah, I think part of the problem – kind of goes back to my Hunger Games theory of this is the capital, um, is that there is too much power centralized, even not just within the country in D.C., but within the party apparatus here in D.C., of people who are insulated to the problems of real Americans, Mm -hmm. congressmen who don't like to go back to their district. Um, You have these people that run the parties and the other, you know, money groups, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. The alliances and all that <laughs> bull Um there's a great line in the new Yellowstone when John Dutton takes over as governor. Yeah. And his schedule is filled with meetings. <laughs> right. And it's all people who of the names that have like, you know, Montana something alliance. And he's like, if there's alliance in their name, take it off the <laughs> schedule. And I'm like, that's what we need more of. Yeah. Like, you know, we need we need real people to be running this because clearly this is not working. The same people end up failing up. I I need to get a job where I can fail up. Sounds pretty good. And where you just get to insulate yourself from yeah. everything you don't want to hear or ideas that you don't want to have to consider. All right, so that's our the establishment segment. That was lighthearted. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, that's the thing is like, that's the other thing that pisses me off about this. Not just that the establishment's keeping power. They're failing to read the room among the base. Yep. That... The base wants someone held responsible for this. You're telling me no one is going to lose their job over this failed election? Instead, they're all going to get promoted? Like, you know, that's going to disillusion GOP voters even more than they were before. And Oh, right. If they – I mean, they're not going to be excited to donate to any of those bigger groups. And they're not going to be excited to take cues from national leadership when they don't see the leadership actually acting on what they're saying is – their problem and what they're facing and what they want fixed Mm -hmm. at the national party level. Yeah. Well, it's only going to get worse. And it's like, you know, I feel like nobody realizes what's actually on the mind of real voters or they just do. And they totally don't give a, which is even worse. I'd rather them be ignorant. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Ignorant is a more easily, accepted excuse because it's like well yeah you're not in the middle of the country you don't understand but then i mean tom emmer is from my home district he has no excuse to not know what the issues are facing minnesotans Mm -hmm. and people in the midwest and he clearly doesn't seem to give a hoot one way or the other yeah he's a real piece of what he is um Let's see. What else we got on the list here? It is Trump announcement day. That should yeah, be fun is. tonight. 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I mean, I don't know that we need to relitigate the whole Trump thing here. Um, but he certainly has not gotten more stable since the last time I discussed him on this podcast. Uh, attacking uh, Governor Glenn Youngkin mm-hmm. uh, for supposedly having ties to the Chinese, which... <laughs> There is no evidence to my knowledge of. No, it was just, he um, just looked at his name and split it up and said, huh, that looks Chinese. Yeah. Young Kin. 
I, I thought Duncan. he was maybe uh, like inferring business ties to no, them, but maybe not. There's mm-hmm. nothing there. Then he went after Winsome Sears, the, the lieutenant governor of this great yeah. commonwealth here. Who um, is a total boss. Love her. Love her. She and loves her guns. She gaveled in the Virginia Senate with a stiletto because somebody, as a prank, took her gavel yeah. when she was presiding over the Senate. <laughs> this woman... I'm very excited to see what she does next. But yeah, no, Trump is just, it's kind of like he's just indiscriminately firing into the crowd of Republicans at this point. Because Against uh, some of the most popular ones, too. It's not even like he's like, and then and then he turns around and endorses all these rhinos for leadership, even though saying that he wants to drain the swamp. And I'm like, well, Don, he's you can't have it both sl- ways. You can't say you want to drain the swamp, but you endorse the swamp to be more swampy. Yes, he's like incentivizing it being more stagnant and yeah. having less new ideas, new blood, new It's because he doesn't fresh want air. That. He doesn't want any new blood because he wants to be the one in charge. And yeah, the whole thing's f- uh, but DeSantis finally today, so we'll see what he does tonight. And of course, yeah. we'll have full coverage at oh, yeah. Spencer's on top of that. Stick around. Um We've got a great show tonight. <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez. Um, I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting. I, I I did see a lot of people today being like, "Why is he doing it at a press conference at Mar-a-Lago instead of a rally?" Um, a rally. But I feel like everybody's forgotten in 2015 when he rode the escalator. It was just a press conference in Trump Tower with like no one there. Other yeah, than everyone the press. was there. So, he like, paid to be there. This is very much on brand yeah. with how he announced uh, he was running in 2016. Um, and he's going to try to harness the underdog uh, I'm so, mentality, which is pretty funny. I'm so confused by that. Because, again, it worked perfectly in 2016. Because, yeah, he's the most outsider you could have, had no political experience other than, you know, speaking at CPAC a few times and hanging out with uh, Sarah Palin and some other Republican elected officials. But he was truly an outsider who did not have political experience, came in to drain the swamp. Now... He has been, I mean, he was president of the United States for four years. He's been involved in politics now for close to seven or whatever. I don't think the outsider thing works at this point. I think his better thing would be to say, look, I've been on the inside. I know what it's like, the deep state, hammer on all the stuff that he saw and that he wants to fix in a second term. Versus being like, I'm coming in from outside to fix this. Like, he's so entangled in it now, not just because of all the investigations and whatever, yeah. the raid on Mar-a-Lago, whatever. He's just not an outsider. No, that that will never... I mean, you know, he'll make that argument, but that's not going to resonate with people. And, and I, like, I mean, he's very clear that he sees himself as the leader of the Republican Party, but you can't claim that and an outsider status at the same time. Right. Well... I don't know what his campaign tactics going to be because normally his tactic is just attack everybody else that's running against you. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to be running against him for a while unless these like little no name people start announcing mm-hmm. like uh, you know Liz Cheney oh, or, or Nikki Haley or Mike Pompeo. Not to say that I hate Pompeo and Haley, just saying they're not going to garner a significant portion of the presidential vote. Um, you know, I think Mike Pompeo's foreign policy was pretty strong. Yeah. Um, we wouldn't be in this mess foreign policy-wise that we're going to get to in a minute uh, with him in charge, that's for oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, I mean, all you need to know about him being successful as Secretary of State is the fact that the Iranians are surveilling him on U.S. soil and trying to kill him. Yeah. Clearly, yeah. he was good at what he did. Um, but Ron DeSantis today finally broke the silence on the Trump attacks. So take a listen to what the governor had to say. We would like to know what you think about Trump's big announcement and some of the less-than-flattering comments he has made about you. 
Well, you know, one of the things I've learned, like learned in this job, is um, uh, when you're do when you're leading, when you're getting getting things done, yeah, you take incoming fire. That's just the nature of it. Uh, I roll out of bed in the morning. I've got corporate media outlets that have a spasm just the fact that I'm getting up in the morning, and it's constantly attacking. And this is just what's happened. I don't think any governor got attacked more, particularly by corporate media, than me over my four-year term. And yet, I think what you, what you learn is all that's just noise. And really what matters is, are you leading? Are you getting in front of issues? Uh, are you delivering results for people? And are you standing up for folks? And if you do that, then none of that stuff matters. And, and that's what we've done. We focused on results and leadership. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I would just uh, tell people to go check out the scoreboard from last Tuesday night. Uh, the fact of the matter is, You know, the fact of the matter is we um, it, it was the, the, the greatest uh, Republican victory in the history of the state of Florida. Well, you know, you wrote about this. Beautiful. I, I thought it was a very good reasoned response. He didn't escalate. No. Did not call Trump out by name. No. Did not give Trump further reason to escalate. Nope. The attacks. Um, so. Well, as I pointed out, Trump and his screed against DeSantis attacked him for supposedly not having loyalty or class when he when DeSantis has been asked about Trump running. Uh-huh. And DeSantis' answer had more class and loyalty because he didn't make it about Trump. He talked about how the corporate media has constantly criticized him. And he sort of just rounded out by saying, like, look, if you're attacking me, look at the scoreboard. Look what happened in Florida on Tuesday night and tell me that I'm not doing something right. Right. When you win by 20 in Florida, which has always been a swing state, Get more seats for Clearly Republicans. Clearly the people yeah. love you. Yeah, you know, like, it's winning Trump, Miami-Dade. Also, Trump voted for him. So Trump attacking him as some sort of, like, guy who lucked into the job uh, and wouldn't have been there without Trump. Like, Trump clearly didn't think that he was too disloyal or too classless to not vote for him on well, Tuesday. Well, and the, the interesting part is that they bring that up, right? Like, there would be no Ron DeSantis without Trump. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> sure, probably, probably that crackhead would have become governor of oh, Florida. Geez. Can you remember? Ima- <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine what would have happened during COVID and everything yeah. down there? But oh, it's man. like that was 2018. Yeah. Okay, that's a long time ago. Mm-hmm. DeSantis has turned into an effective leader of the conservative movement who has a very good chance at being president of the United States. Mm-hmm. That's the. So you might have gotten him to the finish line of the campaign in 2018, but Ron DeSantis made him. Self, who he is today and the contender that he is. Like, right. Trump did not. Trump set, wasn't the governor of Florida. No, Trump didn't set Florida's response to COVID. Trump didn't set, you know, their emergency response. He was quotas. mad at DeSantis for opening. Yes. It. So, in fact, you know, there's many points at which DeSantis was a more effective, uh, you know, I guess the phrase would both be governor and governor. Yeah. He governed well as yep. governor. Yeah. You know, like, and he's been doing it yes. since, tw- you know, for the last two years while Trump hasn't been in office or whatever the f- long it's been, a <laughs> year and a half. Years, yeah. uh, you know, and, and it's just ridiculous. I get that Trump doesn't want him to run, but there's a way to subtly attack him without making up ridiculous nicknames like, to sanctimonious. Yes. And like, if Trump and if, could, like, if he had been sanctimonious about something at a given point, I could maybe see fine, that. Yeah. 
But there's no point in which you could find that. No, no. And uh, like you were saying, if Trump didn't want him to run and didn't want to make it an issue, he could do something very similar to what DeSantis did today in his answer on that, saying, like, look at the scoreboard, which would just be if Trump is asked about DeSantis or somebody brings him up, just say, like, well, he's doing a tremendous job running the state of Florida, and I think, you know, he'll continue to do that. And leave yeah. it there. Just say, like, he's compliment him, say what he's doing is good, and then just say, you know, Florida needs him, and leave it at that. Because that's true. I mean, after DeSantis, who knows what would happen in Florida, blah, blah, blah. Well, but, they got that Jeanette Nunez chick. Yeah. She's a nice firebrand. I think yes. she could be a good governor. Right. But again, it's it's about compliment, complimenting your fellow Republican, especially one of the most, if not the most popular Republican in the country, and just saying something about, like, he's got his hands full, you know, making Florida the freest state in the country. Mm-hmm. And then you just leave it. You don't give him a cringy nickname. You don't attack him. And that, and that, I think, is the weirdest thing. I know there are a lot of things that Trump has said after last Tuesday in the midterms that have kind of made people uh, turned off to him. But the thing that I think is most surprising is the way he's turned on his own candidates who he endorsed for this election, you know, where you had him attacking Don Bolduc in New Hampshire, attacking uh, Mehmet Oz in Pennsylvania, attacking Ron DeSantis in Florida. And people are like, well, what gives for Trump, whose number one thing that he always talks about and always emphasizes is loyalty, that for him to be, you know, seemingly disloyal to those candidates that he endorsed and was supposed to help get across the finish line, just, it's weird. Yeah, well, so that's that's a huge part of the problem for Trump right now and why he's bleeding so much support is that he's failing to read the room, which traditionally has not been a problem of his. Traditionally, he's been very lockstep with the base and, you know, feeling the heartbeat of the movement. And when some something is felt out there, traditionally, he would at least acknowledge it, if not act on it Mm -hmm. and now he's totally doing the opposite and you know i'm not a huge palace intrigue story kind of guy (laughs) yeah but from what i've heard increasingly there's a very small group of people advising him yes and advising him poorly well because he's again it's hard to put a lot of stock in these stories because it's like yeah much like with anything in politics, the people talking the most are the ones who know the least. For sure. But it does mirror some of the previous times where he's done things that the base has not loved. Uh-huh. And it usually follows him sort of isolating himself, only hanging out with the people who tell him the yes men. what he wants yeah. to hear and not, you know, trying to ruffle his feathers. Because it clearly he's in a position, he's in a mood and acting right now like he doesn't want to hear anything that he doesn't agree with Mm -hmm. and so i and there were reports especially in the last week between tuesday and tonight from the results of the midterms until he's supposed to announce they're trying to talk him out of this and saying okay you waited until after the midterms that was good because they had to talk him into doing that because he wanted to announce before election day they got him through that and they're like okay georgia's going to a runoff you should wait until after december 6th it's you know less than a month away basically just give it just chill give it a month you're still more than two years out from election day, whatever, you'll be fine. And I think he did not want to hear that. I think he probably thought they were being disloyal and trying to get him to shut up. And so his reaction is instead of shutting up or waiting was to do what we've seen in the last seven days. Well, yeah, and you've seen even people like Kaylee McEnany, who yeah. is, you know, a Trump loyalist, being like, who? Mr. I mean, President, yeah. for, for the love of God, <laughs> just 
Just wait. <laughs> Relax. You know? and, and maybe this is one big troll, right? Maybe we tune it. You remember that one where he held it at Trump, ho- uh, uh, Trump Hotel here in D.C.? Oh, where, yeah. Where he was like, I have breaking news about Obama's birth certificate. And he took literally, <laughs> Literally, the press gave him, like, an hour of unfettered, like, here's all these war heroes who support me and all these people that I've helped in my life and basically ran it as a big campaign commercial. Yeah. And had nothing to say about <laughs> the, the press or the birth certificate. Yep. Maybe tonight will be something like that. That's one route for him to it kind of It very well could be because you know every network is going to take it live. 100%. And 100%. That's why he chose 9 o'clock and not 8. Yep. My gut feeling is that's not the case and that he's <laughs> going to announce because – I think his only strategy at this point is to get out ahead early, try to rack up poll numbers, rack up fundraising numbers. Um, I mean, he already has the $100 million that he raised supposedly for the midterms that he didn't spend on the midterms. Yeah. We'll see if he's going to spend any money in Georgia. I think that's his only strategy at this point because who knows when Ron's going to announce, if he's going to announce. We don't even know if he's going to run for sure. But yeah. Well, and there is something just politically – or political strategy-wise, to be said, for being the first one in when you already have such high name yeah, recognition and whatever. Yeah. And that is, if he announces tonight, every Republican who does a TV hit for the rest of this week and next week is going to be asked, do you support President Trump now that he's running in 24? And that forces people to, again, pick a side. And they know if they say no, he's going to attack them. So they're probably going to say yes or do some squishy answer of some kind. Um, and then also funding-wise, when you're the only person running, you have a lot, you know, it's a, there's nobody competing with you for campaign dollars for 2024. However, if you look at first out-of-the-gate candidates in previous election cycles, you're looking at the Tim Pawlenty's of the world, you're yeah. looking at the Michelle Bachmans, you're looking at people who jumped out of the gate, did, I mean, Michelle Bachman was the first woman to ever win uh, the Iowa straw poll for Republicans the year she ran, um... Tim yeah. Valenti was doing well. Um, Counterpoint. But they didn't have the same popularity nationwide that Trump does. So it won't right. necessarily go the same way. But and it does, weren't former presidents. I and mean, this also, election is not going to be like anything we've ever seen in the past. Absolutely so, not. Just from a, absolutely just from not. a historical standpoint, I mean, oh. like, no one, I don't think anyone alive. No. Right? Has seen a former president come back after no. an in-between term? Only maybe some, like, 112-year-old, yeah. like the oldest yeah. person left in America <laughs> has seen this before. Yeah. Um, but, again, it also makes you the only target for – I mean, you, if Trump announces tonight, you know the DNC and everyone on the Democrat side of things is launching and throwing everything they have at him as soon as possible to try to ding him. Oh, hell and yeah. And so you've got a lot of incoming. But also, Donald Trump has had a lot of incoming for more than six years. So that's oh, not going to sure. bother him. for sure. But there's also an interesting – strategy forming on the left of directing or saying that they want DeSantis to run yes. to make GOP voters think that he's the choice of leftists in the establishment, yep. which couldn't be further from the truth. But it's because <laughs> leftists are scared to death of Ron DeSantis. 100%. Because 100%. he is as successful, if not more so, as we were talking about in Florida as Trump was at the national level. He's an effective Trump. And he is... More restrained, yeah. for lack of a better word. He doesn't take the bait as often. And also, I mean, just look at the team that DeSantis has around him. If you put that on a national level, they are going to be terrifying to Democrats. And those same people in office, should DeSantis run and win and be the president, would be 
devastating for Democrats because they are so good because they've had sort of, you know, the whole idea that uh, states are the laboratories of democracy or whatever. Democracy, kill me. Um, But that whole idea, I mean... So sick of that word. Same. But, like, that's the quote, so whatever. We'll stay with it. But looking at what Ron DeSantis has been able to do and the staff that he has in Florida is so ready for a national level because everything that Ron DeSantis... I mean, look at how many fights the left picked with him, whether it was... He's killing people with COVID, and, I mean, Walt Disney Company took him on and lost twice. Like, these people are unstoppable, and that's why Democrats are trying to make him look like their choice, so that way Trump gets a boost. But I haven't seen that working yet. Yeah, it, it's, it's going to be nasty. It, it, it's going to be nasty on one hand, but on the other hand, it is going to be one of the most wild roller coaster adventures that the people of this country have yeah. been on. Because that... Yeah. Like, if you thought Trump and Hillary was a doozy, and if you thought, like, the Republican primary in 2016 was a doozy, I mean, this one is going to be next level. Mm-hmm. Because while this is all happening, you also have Joe Biden trying to decide whether he's going to run again or not, and he can't wait until the Republican primaries are over to make his decision. So he has to gamble, and Democrats have to gamble, I guess, based on who they think the Republican nominee is going to be at the end of this, because that apparently determines whether or not Biden runs again. Well, Which is so, insane, and a lot of math that you've got to just guess. Yeah, and so I mentioned this last week. Um, I think that one of the silver linings of this total failure of an election will be that Joe Biden will have renewed momentum to run again. Uh-huh. And I think that he's basically going to be like, hmm, we didn't get totally f- like we expected. It wasn't the red wave. Maybe I'm not as popular as we thought, and then he'll run again. And I mean, maybe he'll face a primary challenge from someone further to the left. Yeah. Um, very possible. But I mean, I think as it sits now, I would put him back into the odds on favorite to be their nominee, which even underlines the fact more for me. That's why we need DeSantis, because I think DeSantis against Biden would be a sure bet. Yeah. Whereas a Trump-Biden rematch, I mean, who the f*** knows how that would go? <sighs> Gosh, yeah. I don't even know. And I mean, just even... I was watching some game footage of Joe Biden in 20, 2019 and 2020, mm-hmm. and his downhill slide has accelerated, as everybody who's watched him before and now notices... But this next campaign, pending China not releasing another virus or whatever they did with COVID on us, he's going to have to run this not in his basement. Yeah. yeah. And how is that possibly How is that possibly going to go? But then I think also <laughs> Joe Biden seeing John Fetterman win in Pennsylvania probably makes him think he's fine and good to go. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because he, John Fetterman also couldn't string a sentence together and said the Eagles are so much better than the Eagles and everything else. Well, last night that was true. The Ugh. previous Eagles were better than the <laughs> Eagles that played last night. Okay, so John Fetterman was right. Fact check true. Fact check true. Um, but it's just, there's, oh, it is, like you said, this is going to be unlike anything, certainly we've seen, because we, did, were you like a political nerd in 2008? Yeah. McCain and Palin? That was the first major Same. election that okay. I took part in. Yeah. yeah. For our yeah. listeners who may not know, Storm and I are like two weeks apart birthday-wise. Yeah. So very much the same dorky upbringing where 2008 we were glued to our televisions. <laughs> yeah. I was working on my congressman's campaign I, at like yes, age yes, 15. Same. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And I vaguely remember 2004. Um, yep. And, 
but I didn't really know what was going on. I just remember my parents let me stay up late and use my Windows 3.1 black and white laptop I bought yeah. at a garage sale for $25 yep. to, I don't know why, in my own Excel spreadsheets, record election returns, which really I should have known that. I wonder if they have a picture of that because that's basically what I did now for a living, but that's beside the point. But, like, we saw oh wait, That was very much kind of, like, one of... I guess 12 was kind of normal, too. But, like, 08, I feel like, was the last very sort of normal, like, you had John McCain correcting his own supporters about Obama being a radical Muslim and, like, all that stuff where you had, again, sort of the same, like we talked about at the beginning, this professional courtesy that we saw uh, between, you know, Mitch McConnell and Joe Biden. You saw the same thing between John McCain and Barack Obama. And that was sort of the last... Barack Hussein Obama. Correct. Thank you. Good, good edit. Uh, so you had, you know, 08 was kind of the last one like that. And then you get to 12 and you have, you know, a little bit more spirited campaigning, uh, which again, we lost. And so then you get to Trump and now. Well, Trump did what it took to win. Yes. Um, and, and if there was but, no China virus, he would have won a second term. Yes. I also think people historically forget the fact, not necessarily, but in this equation, Hillary Clinton was a terrible candidate that Democrats even hated. Yeah. So the fact that Trump won was significant because this outsider with no political experience defeated the woman who's been in politics for literally longer than most of us have been alive. But she was also a terrible candidate whose campaign was run horribly. Um, and, And so it requires that same sort of, I feel like, ineptitude and a, an equally bad Democrat candidate. Well, they got caught Trump sleeping. They got caught sleeping like we got caught sleeping this time. Exactly. No, that's um, exactly right. And that's why that's what I mean when I say I think people forget. Yeah. Because we didn't pay attention to 2016 and what happened and why Hillary lost. And then we did the same thing. We're now mm. – uh, and maybe even the same in 2020 and 2018. I mean look at what our losses were then. It's like we forgot what helped us win in 16. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think Trump – DeSantis is just a more refined version of Trump. Yes. And people are trying to paint him as establishment. I'm like, the, the people, the Trump supporters around the country that are trying to paint him as the establishment, I'm like, you have no idea what the establishment is. True. True. I'm like, you really, if you think DeSantis is establishment. Oh, we should be so lucky. Yeah. If the establishment was like yeah. Ron DeSantis, none of what we saw today play out in the House leadership elections would have happened. No, 100%. So uh, that that talking point really pisses me off. Listen, I get I get people are going to still support Trump. I understand that. Hell, if he's the nominee, I'll support him. If, if DeSantis doesn't run, I'll support him. Um, I just think that DeSantis is right now the better choice. And until that choice is eliminated, that's what I'm going to roll with. Yep. Just like in 2016, you know, there always should have been a primary going into 2024. Yes. You know, that was something that me and Kurt talked about quite a bit is it shouldn't have been just let Trump roll to the nomination regardless. You have to earn back our support. Mm -hmm. And if anything, he's done the opposite as seen by mass defections over the last few weeks. I mean, we've seen it in the comment section on the site. Yeah. You know, that that's how I know for sure that this is something that is actually occurring mm-hmm. is that. Right. It's our not just real, my parents. It's right. It's not just us. It's not our families. It's real readers from across the country yep. in our comment section, totally roasting Trump, saying, I love Trump. I voted for him twice. I was going to vote for him a third time. Yeah. But this is just ridiculous. And, and I think that's where a lot of people, because, again, you can 
you can both love Donald Trump and what he did for the country, which I think you're stupid if you don't love right. what he did for our country. But you can do that and also think, okay, he has got to either rein it in or not do this again because what he's done since then is so different from what he did while he was in office. Yeah, and I saw someone tweet yesterday. They were like, oh, you wanted mean tweets back. Well, here's the mean tweets. And I'm like, well, first off, they're not tweets. They're, they're truths or whatever <laughs> the f- that is. But secondly, we're not asking for mean tweets attacking the most popular Republican no. governor in the United States. No. When he's not even running for office yet. And I get he's trying to persuade him to not run. I understand that. But, like, how about, you know, tweeting about other stuff yes right well and also such a bs argument because we weren't the ones who ever had an issue with the mean tweets right, it's the right, democrats yeah. and the mainstream media yeah. that were like these mean tweets are putting our our democracy once again uh you know at the edge of collapse and putting us on the edge of world war three whatever well look around we're now at the edge of world war three thanks to joe biden and his administration but this whole idea that like oh we wanted mean tweets yeah we wanted mean tweets because of what we got with it if all we're getting is the mean tweets that's not worth it we need the yeah. solid leadership and governance and then we don't care about the mean tweets because guess what? When my when inflation was not at above 8%, when our border was secure, when people in my hometown weren't dying of fentanyl overdoses, when people weren't being killed by gang activity in my hometown, which is not a big city. There should not be that kind of thing. Uh, it's, Nobody cared about the mean tweets because yeah. life was good. You worked your job. You kept your money. We had tax cuts. Business was booming. Everything was great. We were safe. We felt secure. We felt optimistic. And now that's gone. So, yeah, the mean tweets are annoying now because everything has gone to hell in a handbasket. I think that's the change, actually. I think that it's a good portion of the base realizes that in order to win the next election, we need somebody that can appeal to the independents and perhaps some of the, uh, you know, I don't want to say squishy Republicans because I don't really want the squishy Republicans. No, they but can the more... The they don't vote for Liz Cheney school, if they had the opportunity. Right, the more old school, traditional Republican voters, right? Yeah. And maybe bring them back just to vote for us. Not saying that we need to curtail our policy positions to that at all. Because people know me. I'm as base as it gets. <laughs> right? Not based, but base voter, right? And I, the, I, I don't want to say that the act has gotten old because I still find it entertaining. Oh, his, right. when his he speech goes on Monday night his, in Ohio yeah. was his, just his next best hits, level. His best hits are great. I don't know. There's just something about it. Something has changed. And I don't know if I could get – I quite, like, figure it out. But No. It, I think I it might be, like, what you said, like, we're so – we're staring into the abyss, like – we're about to be in a World even War worse rece- – well, okay, so World <laughs> War Three. you've got – the inflation report today for producers came out. Um, I don't know if that's in the showrunner because it's boring. But yeah, it's a little bit there. The, the yeah, recession yeah, – yeah. or the, the inflation report came out and it showed that the, the increases were slightly less but still going up. We also – one of the key metrics on what people are paying for goods and services upstream from consumers uh, was at its highest level since June. So inflation is still – not by any means subsiding and American consumers are not going to feel any difference for a while. But it did show that things are kind of – the needle starting to slow down a little bit. And more than likely that means that the Fed has actually overdone all these consecutive 75 basis point increases. And there's no way to let up. And now they're going to – in the next few months are going to have to flip and try to blunt the hit of this massive recession that's about to get us. And it's not going to be good. The Fed chairman, Jay Powell himself, has said that there's going to be a lot of pain, quote unquote pain, Mm -hmm. for American families beyond what we've already felt with inflation. And so, like, everything is terrible. 
and we need somebody who will help us. And, and I think you're right because we at this point we want somebody who will help us and will save us. And all we see from Donald Trump recently is him attacking the people who are actually doing something to save us. Right. DeSantis is running a state that I want to move to. Yesterday, right. I would. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The exactly. next episode of Triggered, I would love to we do, do it in Florida. Yeah. Our office in Florida. It's it's crazy to me that he's taking that as a a strategic tactic. I I, I don't know. Maybe he maybe he pivots honestly, but I hope he seen, does. If he doesn't, I don't know what's going to happen. The, but again, the, and especially for somebody whose brand was, "Are you tired of winning?" Yeah. Like, okay, why are you attacking the winners? You're attacking Ron DeSantis. It's like I'm tired of losing, and I would like to have some winners back in charge. All we are <laughs> in terms of winning, we are losing. I mean, we lived through the golden years, honestly. Looking back at it. I mean, that can't be the end, though. Uh, it might be. No. It might be the end, I know. It's so yeah. depressing. Very unfortunate. It might be the end. Gosh. Like you mentioned, the economy's You know what really made me nervous is uh, Jeff Bezos' statement. Yeah. About how uh, this guy who owns the biggest retailer <laughs> in the world yeah. saying that people should be saving money and not buying big-ticket retail items for the holidays because the economy is which is funny because he's shooting him. He's shooting his bottom line in the foot, right? Because that's all people use Amazon like, for is to buy stuff on. I'm Amazon. like, wait a second. Either this is the biggest scam ever <laughs> to drive down prices. I don't know to what end. That hurts him. Yeah. Or he's telling the truth, and we're really. Well, and I think that did scare me as well. And I think it's notable because in earlier months, we had people like Jamie Dimon at JP Morgan saying, you know, there's this economic hurricane headed for us and all these things. And it's like, okay, well, it's these big bankers, whatever. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, they're, they always do that they're talking yeah. about stuff that doesn't necessarily affect average Joes. But then when you have, you know, talking about Amazon and they're like, don't buy anything, mm -hmm. that's not good. And you pair that with Amazon is working on layoffs. Facebook just laid off a bunch of people. Uh, you get interesting the, how all the layoffs waited till like two days after the <laughs> always midterms, every time yeah, yeah, yeah. same thing no coincidence same thing yeah every time um, but it it's you're getting the indicators from when these bigger companies that have just obscene amounts of capital and the ability to pay people through a full recession if they wanted to because they have so much sort of banked up because they're these massive companies are starting to you know cut people loose trying to shave off some of their bottom line that's when it's terrifying because mm -hmm. it's like well okay what now and i mean you, you've said it uh, every episode i've been on but you've got you know the number of people living paycheck to paycheck is through the roof the revolving debt Credit balances debt. that people have is A record high again. record high again for the fourth month in a row which is at the same time that all these federal interest rate hikes are happening driving those interest rates up so people are just getting in this absolute debt cyclone i just Got a pitch earlier today in my inbox that 50% of people in a poll uh, plan to go into debt over the holidays because of their Christmas oh, or their yeah. holiday shopping. Real wages are getting crushed. Real wages are still down more than 3%. Yep. And in terms of good news, there's none. Yeah. The economy's not in good shape. <clears throat> but they point to the market going up, and I'm like, well, <clears throat> we'll see about that. Um, it's not good. Not good at all. And then uh, we switch over to foreign policy. Oh, which good. Is, Oh, well, let's talk real quick. One moment. Border invasion. Yeah. Worse. Like I said, ruling on Title 42. Now we got to take all those illegals in. Uh, Which is, I mean, there's no, we're very close to a situation that's going to be like AOC when she went to the border, allegedly, and whatever. But all of the Democrat talking points about Trump putting people in cages. Yeah. That's where we're going to end up because the ability to process that many people just does not exist. Even though Barack Obama built the cages and Trump used the cages from time to time. 
Joe Biden is about to be completely overwhelmed. And this comes after the CBP commissioner resigned because he was not doing anything at his job. Mm -hmm. And you've got Mayorkas today was testifying uh, and had nothing good to say and was had his feet held to the fire a number of times on how many people on the terror watch list have been getting apprehended. And then when asked, okay, out of these gotaways, how many on the terror watch list were there? And he, thinking he was smart, answered, well, they're gotaways, so we don't know. And completely proved everybody's point about why these open borders are a disaster because we don't know how many people on the terror watch list have gotten in. And now mm-hmm. it's about to get even worse because every every extra person beyond what the regular infrastructure can process and handle means that the likelihood of people who shouldn't be here getting in goes through the roof because everybody is occupied not watching the border. Border Patrol down there is Julio is covered and we've had numerous um, sources within CBP um, who have sent us documents and stuff that show that border agents who sign up with the goal of working a job, patrolling the border, keeping people from crossing illegally are now just busy processing people at these facilities who turn themselves in and inundate the border uh, agents, you know, the uh, border sector stations. And so nobody is actually watching the border anymore. And that's why the gotaways continue to just go up and up and up. And it's only a matter of time before those illegal chickens come home to roost. And God help us if it's anything more serious than just convicted criminals who are coming over and instead, you know, terrorists with actual plans to do us harm. Unfortunately, I think it's going to be. Um... I mean, I, I've. It sounds, well, I guess this has all been very cynical, but it sounds cynical to say that we have been, like, it is pure luck that there has not been any sort of serious concerted effort. And again, it could be because they haven't tried yet and because they're all just getting in place and readying for something. Who knows what it's going to be, but it is... It's not going to be good. Terrifying. And I've, there are a couple people I talk to pretty regularly, strictly off the record, but there is a lot of concern among federal law enforcement and not the like deep state people, but mm-hmm. like rank and file federal law enforcement people about the fact that even if at this point we were to suddenly snap close the borders and secure everything, we would not know exactly oh, what the threat no. is and where it's coming from and who they're targeting. And that apparently is keeping a lot of people up at FBI and elsewhere because... Could be years... They just, before they attack. I they mean, just have no way of knowing yeah. who they are, where they are, what they want to do, and what their target would be. So uh, quickly, That's another good reason to sleep well tonight. Yeah, we're really piling it on here. <laughs> Listen, if you're coming for positive news, you've come to the wrong place. I think uh, <laughs> Mr. Producer should title this episode The Great Depression. Yeah, basically is where <sighs> America's at at this point. Yeah. Uh, also, because we're on the brink of World War III, uh, Joe Biden's on his foreign trip over to Asia. <laughs> Total disaster. Uh, the meeting with Xi went very poorly. <laughs> he didn't um, even ask about COVID. Well, there's a shock. Uh, and then, Hello. <laughs> then Biden might have COVID because he didn't go to the G20 dinner. Um, and then just a few hours ago, a uh, errant... Russian rocket missile missile I don't know what the difference is what, I me either uh, some projectile <laughs> with explosives landed in Poland yep killing two people and Great. there was an urgent call between Joe Biden and uh, Andrei Dudic I don't know if that's how you say his name I think it might be that's close enough close enough the Polish president yep and uh, apparently he is invoking article 4 status Meaning that he sees a imminent threat 
mm-hmm. from a nation actor or terrorist actor, uh, which is usually a potential pre cursor. That's what I'm looking for. There you go. <laughs> I See, got this you. Is what I got you. So I keep you around. Precursor uh-huh. to Article Five. Uh, so that could be great. Could be at World War Three. So I'd say enjoy your dinners tonight because <laughs> nuclear war could loom in the next few days. If you are of draft age, consider becoming. Luckily, we are too old. Disabled. Yeah. Luckily, we're just a little bit too old. I don't know. I Although mean, I'd go fly that drone. I was telling you earlier. I would absolutely yeah. sign up to fly the drones. Yeah, I'll drop those missiles. Space all over Force anyone. put me in charge of a little satellite dropping stuff on <laughs> the Ruskies. I mean, I'm all down to red dawn this. I guess. Might have but to. Here's the problem I have. Oh, and is then they asked for uh, uh, $37.7 billion <laughs> more for Ukraine. Maybe we should give it to Poland to build some defenses. I don't know. But the, the biggest problem with this, first of all, is presumably this was a mistake, right? Because Russia has not gone for after sure. NATO countries. Yeah. And so... It's just their Soviet era right. technology. It's like the fact that this is the first time that Poland took a hit, and it yeah. wasn't like... This didn't hit Warsaw. This hit in a village just across the border from Ukraine. So, again, arguably an accident. I think that's an important consideration. It's not like Russian troops staged a surprise invasion of Poland. Like, that didn't happen. So That would have led the episode. Yes, that would definitely (laughs) have led the episode. But there are obviously a lot of people, I think, probably in sort of the old, uh, you know, Warhawk side of both parties that would love... Uh, just an all-out war, mm-hmm. you know, because why not? It's been a while. Let's yeah. just dive in. Joe Biden got us out of Afghanistan with disastrous and deadly consequences, so let's go, you know, muck around in somebody else's backyard. But this whole idea that maybe this is going to be what escalates everything and what are we going to do is just insane because look at how many billions – are we over a trillion? We've got to be over a trillion. The United States has sent to Ukraine – if we uh, no, I think it, I think it's like the last I saw was one hundred two billion. It's got to be more than that, but maybe. It's Which next that week much. we'll dive into the conspiracy theory Ooh. of that money making it through to cryptocurrency scam FTX yeah. and then being wandered through by their founder, who's a Democrat mega donor, to U.S. elections, allegedly. Yeah. Go ahead. But yeah, so <laughs> basically, what we have to there. do now is just wait and see a level head on the president of the United States, which we do not have, would be able to talk Poland down from going full Article 5 on this. Yeah. I don't know that Joe Biden could do that. And Joe Biden has previously pledged back in February when Russia first invaded Ukraine that the United States would defend every inch of NATO territory with all of America's strength. So it's hard for him, not that he hasn't gone back on his word before, but from what he said... The United States is all in on defending Poland against two rockets or whatever that missed. Mm-hmm. But it remains to be seen what NATO's decision actually is. But if, for some reason, they invoke Article 5 and Joe Biden is all gung-ho on what he said, and I don't know what that even looks like, because, again, is it just going to be defending NATO territory? Or if Article 5 is invoked, then does that mean we have to go into full-on attacks on the Russians? We still don't know that either. But the economy cannot take that. Yeah. Nor can our stockpiles because we've already given everything to Ukraine. Yeah. So what are we going to fight with? Yep. It's not good. It's exactly what I've been warning about all this time as we've been arming Ukraine. I'm like, what about us? Not good at all. And it's just very ironic that this all comes after the White House and the Biden administration has been trying to get 
Ukraine to show its willingness to go to the negotiation table with Russia to try to find an end to this. And then this happens. And now, like, potentially, instead of trying to talk Ukraine into going to the negotiation table with Russia, we are going ourselves to war with Russia. Well, yep. It's and not China great. and Taiwan. I mean, it, it, the whole well, thing. And that's another good point, because if we end up, if we invoke Article 5 and the United States is suddenly in a war with Russia, World War Three. then, I mean, what other cue does China need to be like, well, it's go time, let's get Taiwan, because oh, we're going to be very busy over in Europe, and if that happens, and depending on... We couldn't on, fight a war in the Pacific right now even if we wanted to anyway. No, we absolutely could not. And, and we're going to have to fight against Russia somehow from Alaska. Oh, I hope the Alaskans that may be listening to this already... <laughs> This is just bad. God help us. This is bad. And again, there's a chance that literally nothing happens, but this is also the closest we've been to World War III in a hot minute. Ever. So, uh, well, ever. since, since uh, you know, the troubles. <laughs> yes. Since, like, the 1961 missile crisis. Right, right, right. But, like, that's pretty f- bad. And here's the thing. <laughs> the reason we averted nuclear World War III at the to- in the 80s, I guess would be the most recently, yeah. actually, um, was because we had Ronald Reagan... Uh, negotiating with Gorbachev. Um, Vladimir Putin and Joe Biden are no Gorbachev and Reagan. So that's just not going to... Yeah. It's not going to end well. Well, it's on that cheery note. Oh, uh, boy. I just hope if, if the nuclear war happens that we go quick. I think, I mean, if I can, like, see the Washington Monument from our windows, we'll get vaped. Yeah, I'm far enough out that I shouldn't be in the initial blast unless they really drop a big one. But also, they DC has miss. the best ballistic missile defense in the whole country. So, I don't know that we would I actually get hit. Okay. I think we'd be the ones that get left behind into this nuclear wasteland that would be uh, honestly the I'm world. Think of the triggered episodes. True, that's true. Be like Captain's Log. Mike hey. would be alive because he lives in the middle of nowhere now. So Lucky. as long as we had internet, we'd be good to go. Yeah. Um. All right. Well. Uh, <laughs> he's for. First picture out of Mar-a-Lago that I've seen looks surely like a 2024 campaign announcement. Make America Great um, Again. I was curious to know if he stuck with yeah, the I mean, OG instead of you the gotta, tag. You gotta go with it. What's there to keep great? There's nothing to keep great. This country's Well, I mean, it didn't work the first time he used it either, so. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, well, the Make America Great Again was always the best slogan. We knew that. CAG but, just doesn't roll off the tongue as I well. Was, see, I was a big fan of either just using MAGA... Regular or MAGA. <laughs> Make America Great Again Again? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's what he should do now. Because if, if this is a retread of 2016. See, but this would be like MAGA. Make America Great Again Again Again. But he didn't Make America Great Again Again? And if he's allegedly, running as an outsider, allegedly, this is a retread I mean, of 2016, not 2020. Yeah, no, we all know the election was stolen. But, um, all right. Hopefully you all enjoyed this long trigger today. This was a super mega pint of triggered. Pray for us. Um, because there is no episode on Thursday. Storm's taking a post-election vacation. And we might be nuked by then. Going Well, that could be too. I could be, not be taking a vacation. <laughs> um, You're getting out of here, though. You'll be safe. Unless they hit I Chicago. I don't know. New Jersey. I live right in between Philly and New York. Uh, and then they don't even have my guns. Uh, yeah. That's rough. You could go take all my guns if... Uh, I'm gone while that happens. Great. Um, I have to break into your fortress, though. Places like Matt will let you in. (laughs) Um, Not if he dies of his illness or whatever he's got now from running over that bridge in the rain and the cold. That's true. It's not the vid or flu. We do know that. So, so hopefully you enjoyed that episode. 
No episode on Thursday. This is more than enough content for you to make it through. Um, Recommend listening in three parts. I should have said that at the beginning. (laughs) It's too depressing to listen to at once. Um, Of course, we will have full coverage of everything for you at townhall.com. Trump's announcement, the aftermath, uh, hopefully our securing of the majority we were promised a week ago, and everything else. So townhall.com for all that coverage. Of course, as usual, it is time for the shameless plug. So if you enjoy Triggered and want to get it uncensored, Highly recommend it. Everybody loves it. Money back guarantee. Go to townhallvip.com. Use promo code SAVEAMERICA for 40% off. You will get a literal metric ton load of content. Um, I don't even have time to run through the whole list, but the content, the offering expands every single day. It's tremendous. So much content, you're never going to believe it. Of course, Triggered Uncensored being part of that. So townhallvip.com. Use the promo code SAVEAMERICA for 40% off. Thank you to all of you who are VIP members. This is the three-year anniversary of the launch of Town Hall VIP. Many of you Triggered listeners have been with us since day one on that. Many have been with us since day one of the podcast, so we love you all. Um, Thank you to those who sent in emails about their thoughts on the election, the Trump saga, everything. So if you want to, email is triggered at townhall.com. And, of course, we will be back here next Tuesday for another episode of Triggered.